as a shepherd searches for a lost sheep, as a woman searches for a lost coin, you seek us out, O Lord. You seek and you save. Through these poor words, may your saving word be heard. And may it bring us life. May it bring us joy. Amen. If we could actually just go straight to the next slide, please. This last week, I was listening to the great outlaw country musician, John Prine. Who here has heard of John Prine? There you are. Yeah, some of you. Yeah, good. In his 1971 song, Spanish Pipe Dream, Prine imagines himself as an American soldier on his way to Montreal to escape the American draft. He stops at a bar, and there he catches the eye of an exotic dancer. And during her routine, she leans into his ear and whispers these words. Blow up your TV, throw away your paper, move to the country, build you a home, plant a little garden, eat a lot of peaches, try and find Jesus on your own. I don't know if I could sing those. I don't know if I want to subject. <laughs> Blow up your TV. Throw away your paper. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh is right. <laughs> Try and find Jesus on your own. That's how the song, that part of the chorus ends. And later in the song, Prine and the dancer end up running off and doing all of the above and having a bunch of kids. It's a catchy tune. On one hand, it's an anthem of the hippie dream, of leaving all the trappings of modern civilization behind and rebuilding Eden. On the other hand, though, it's all about seeking. It's all about seeking joy, seeking happiness, seeking the good life. It's about seeking God. That's the last line it caps it off with. Try and find Jesus on your own. So the singer doesn't have much of a problem with spirituality or seeking. Finding Jesus is good, he says, but finding Jesus with other people, though, you don't want to do that. There are a lot of reasons for that, of course. One's the deep individualism of our culture. But mostly, people tend to shy away from church because of a bad experience with the faith community, or they expect a bad experience. They've heard it through the grapevine that if they go to church, they'll have a bad experience. They expect judgment, holier-than-thou attitudes, rigid dogma. So they prefer instead to try and find, Je try and find Jesus on your own. There we go. Now, as understandable as that may be, I also think it's based on a misunderstanding about the spiritual life. A misunderstanding not only by seekers, but by seekers and church people alike, non-church people and church people alike. And it's built right into that last line, try and find Jesus, it says. Try and find Jesus. That part of the song makes the spiritual life primarily 
about our own individual searching for God. For those of us already in the church fold, we tend to think that it's all about people coming to us. If we're religious hardliners, we'll find people, speak the hard truths, and hope they'll find the error of their ways, clean up, and come to us for God's mercy. And if we're religious liberals, we hope if we're good and nice people, maybe that'll make people want to visit someday. Either way, the idea is that we've found something, we've found Jesus, and we can help him help you find him too. But like I said, it's a misunderstanding. And today's passage gets at the heart of the matter because we see here that this misunderstanding, it's all about direction. We have the wrong direction, in fact. We have the wrong who, who is doing the searching. Next slide, please. Enough John, enough John Prime. Okay. Now our passage begins. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear, coming to listen to Jesus. And by sinners, it means some people who don't follow the right religious practices. And some who don't do the right things or can't get their lives together. And then we have tax collectors. I mean, of course, who likes the tax man, right? But these people are more than just Canada revenue agents. These people are traitors. They squeeze their own people to fill the treasuries of imperial Rome, the foreign occupiers. They're collaborators getting rich on the backs of the poor and hungry. So we have sinners on one hand, the spiritually wandering, and we have tax collectors, which are like super sinners. The ethically blind and the morally bankrupt. People who have done terrible things to themselves and to other people. Sinners, tax collectors, we have all these people coming to see Jesus. I actually like this image of the Last Supper by David LaChapelle. It's actually a photo taken in the Bronx of New York, and you can kind of see all the... You might expect maybe, you know, this to be more of a rap video type image, but... This is what he places as the image of the Last Supper. This is like, this is what the crowd looked like gathering around Jesus. So whatever kind of seeker you are, whether you're John Prine just trying to find Jesus, or you're living with immense guilt and shame or something in between, you'll find yourself there in that crowd. Here we have religious seekers of all kinds seeking after Jesus, on their own, in crowds, drawn to him and his message. All these people are gathered around. But, it says, but the Pharisees and scribes saw this and were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Pharisees and scribes, if you remember, these are Jesus' rivals, his New Testament nemeses. You can guess who they are. They're kind of the aforementioned religious hardliners. They're fine with reaching out to sinners, 
But that's because somebody has to talk sense into these people. The problem they have with Jesus, though, is that he's not doing any of that. He isn't bringing the fire and the brimstone. They think Jesus should be whipping these people into shape for their own good. But this guy's hanging out. This guy's having a laugh. He's slapping shoulders. He's raising his glass in a toast and saying, the next round's on me. I mean, they're mad. The Pharisees and scribes are mad because it's like Jesus is condoning their behavior or something. The Son of Man comes eating and drinking with sinners. And have you seen these people? Somebody needs to set them straight. But Jesus isn't setting them straight. And he's not condoning things either. He knows their spiritual longings. He knows their screw-ups. He knows their secret sins. He knows it all. He knows everything about all of them. But here, Jesus is showing the mysterious way of God in the world. He's showing us a God who is not sought out, not a ladder that we climb to heaven, but a God who is instead seeking us, a God who has come down to us to share with us abundant life. If I could have the next slide, please. So to show us this, he tells us these two parables. So imagine, he says, imagine you're a shepherd. You're a shepherd and you've got a flock of a hundred sheep. One day one of those sheep goes missing. I mean, it's only one sheep, right? But wouldn't you take the risk and leave the other 99 behind to go after it? I mean, it was the sheep's fault that it ran away, right? But there's no way they'd make it back without you on their own. Wouldn't you track them down, toss them over your shoulders, and maybe throw a little shindig when you got home? I mean, we cheered for Zaneda when she found the coin. And this is a sheep, right? A full-blown sheep. Next slide. Or he says, imagine there's a woman with ten coins, and she loses one of them. I realize it's only one coin. She's still got a good 90% left. That's still pretty good. But that woman would shine a lamp in every corner of the house, turn over every mattress, sweep under every rug to find that coin. And like the found sheep, she'd call her friends over to celebrate, saying, remember that coin I was on about? I finally found it. Both of these stories, In both of these stories, Jesus says, the owner persistently and relentlessly searches out what was lost. Because it's what God is like. It's who God is. God doesn't wait for lost people to find their way back to him. Nor is anyone too lost for God to find. But God does what it takes God pays whatever cost, even death on a cross. And when that person's found, there's no time for grumbling. In fact, it's time to party.
Because the rescue of even one lost soul is enough for the angels to put up all the streamers, to strike up the band, and fill all the balloons in heaven. That's what I'm up to here, Jesus says. A little shepherding here, a little coin collecting there. And look at all the lost souls, all the oddballs I've found and brought together in this sanctuary, restored to life. Hell, I've even been known to find someone as hard-hearted as you. So you might as well turn your frowns upside down. Pull up a chair, put on a party hat, and join in on the fun. Because this is what God does. This is what I do. So relax, because it's all on my tab. So just when we thought that the spiritual life was all about our seeking after God, Jesus flips it on its head. God's not only the one seeking for us, God's got our GPS before we even knew we had that little option, you know, on the phone to turn it on, turn on location. Next slide, please. Hugh Reed, a United Church minister in Ontario, tells a story about a man named Alan. Earlier in life, Alan had left his family and home to go and find himself, to discover who he was. Before he knew it, though, he ended up lost. He ended up lost in a world of drugs, wandering the streets of Vancouver's downtown east side. And one night, he ended up in a shelter, staring at the ceiling in the rows full of bunks, bunks full of strangers. He didn't know where he was, and he didn't even really know who he was. But he did know that he wanted his suffering to end, and he had a plan to do it. He was determined to put himself out of his own misery, but there he was laying at the bunk, staring up at the ceiling. And a voice called to him, a voice that sounded like it was from a whole other world. Is Alan Roberts there? It said. That was his name, but he hardly knew who Alan Roberts was anymore. It couldn't have been him being called, because that just doesn't make sense. Is there anybody named Alan Roberts here? The voice persisted. Nobody else answered, so Alan took the risk and put his hand up, and he said, I'm Alan Roberts. Your mother's on the phone, the voice said. You've made a mistake. Alan said, I I don't even know where I am. How could my mother know where I am? I don't care. If you're Alan Roberts, said the voice, your mother's on the phone. Just come and get the phone, please. 
unsure what to expect, he went to the desk in the hall and he took up the receiver and there was a voice on the other line and it said, Alan, it's your mother, it's mom, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come home. Mom, he said, I don't know where I am. I have no money. And you don't know what I'm like anymore. I just can't do it. And she said, it's time for you to come home. There's a Salvation Army officer coming to you with a plane ticket. He's going to take you to the airport and get you home. And the thing is, after all of this, His mom didn't actually know where he was. She just called every single shelter in every corner of British Columbia for months until she found him. And he went back to Ontario, loved and supported by his mother, who had never ceased to know him, even though he had forgotten himself. And inspired by that faith that had sustained his mother's hope and love, he began attending church services at Hugh Reed's church in Hamilton, Ontario. And Alan had just shown up that day asking to be baptized. Thinking back on it, though, Reed said that he realized it wasn't actually Alan doing the seeking. Alan did not find his own way to my office, he said a path not of his own making or mine was made by the love that found him, that knew him better than he knew himself. And that love invited him to be baptized and to follow Jesus. That love is the love that brought him home. Friends, the spiritual life, the way of Jesus, is not about our searching, about our seeking, or our finding. It's not about earning, obtaining, or figuring it out right. At least not ultimately. It's about being found. The good news is that Jesus is like the shepherd who leaves the 99, the woman who turns her house over for one single coin, the mother who calls every shelter every night until she finally hits the right one. The good news is that no matter how lost we've become, no matter how we've screwed it up and strayed on life's journey, God the Good Shepherd comes looking for us. God never stops seeking, God never stops searching until we're deposited, plunk, home safe and sound, fed, healed, and made new. Even those of us who, like the Pharisees, thought we were already found and managed to get ourselves lost without knowing it. So, by all means, take that exotic dancer's advice in John Prine's tomb. She sounds like one of the people that was gathered around Jesus, in fact. Blow up your TV, throw away your paper, 
or your smartphone. Move to the country, build you a home, plant a little garden, and stuff yourself with all the peaches you can eat. Do all of that in your seeking. But you can skip the last verse. Because even before you go looking for God, know that God is already in hot pursuit, nipping at your heels, not to scare you or condemn you or shame you into submission, but to rescue you and all of humanity from its trouble, to toss you, to toss us on his shoulders and bring us to the party, the never-ending celebration of God's ever-flowing grace. And by the power of that same grace, may this church more perfectly become a community where both the lost and the found are caught up in the never-ceasing joy of salvation. Because it's not about finding Jesus on our own or otherwise. It's about the joy of being found and sharing in that foundness together. Amen.